You can either do good in the world or you can make money. That is absolute baloney. <laughs> That's malarkey. If you are providing a product or a service that helps another human being, and you should be enjoying it, first of all, and you are doing good. And as a result, remember, uh, to the degree that you add value to others, money is simply an echo of value. Bob Berg is co-author of the Go-Giver series with John David Mann. My name is Chris Cooper, and my goal on this podcast is to expose you to the big ideas that will change the way that you view success and what's possible in the service industry, specifically the fitness industry, where I've spent the last 20 years making mistakes, learning, and finally succeeding. Bob Berg teaches the mindset necessary for success. The things that held me back, the self-limiting behaviors, were my own misperception of value. I didn't understand how I delivered this value onto other people. I didn't understand how I was projecting my own wallets and behavior onto my clients and limiting myself from success that way. Why can't you be a millionaire in the fitness industry? Only you can answer that question because you are the only one stopping you from achieving that. After you read The Go-Giver, you'll understand your true value and you'll learn that the most valuable role in your business is not marketer, it's not coach, it's connector. Bob Berg. Bob Berg, welcome to Two Brain Radio. Hey Chris, great to be with you. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure, Bob. A lot of people who listen to this podcast are familiar with me singing the praises of the Go-Giver and Go-Giver Sell More and the Go-Giver Leader. But maybe just as an introduction, can you describe the five laws that you and John share in the first book? Sure. Uh, And they're they're based on a very basic premise. It's a business that that works just as well in all aspects of life as it does business. But of course, it's a business uh, book. So uh, the, the, the basic premise, Chris, is simply that shifting one's focus, and this is the key, uh, shifting one's focus from getting to giving. And when we say giving in this context, we simply mean constantly and consistently providing value to others. And that doing so is not only a, a nice way to run your business, it's a very financially profitable way as well. And really this taps into basic human nature in knowing that, you know, no one's going to join your CrossFit uh, gym because you want them to. They're not going to join because you need the money, need the sale, or really know you have a a great service for them that will benefit them. They're going to do so only because they understand that it's in their best interest to do so, and which makes perfect sense. And this is only going to happen when they know your focus is on them, not on you. Your focus is on on helping them, not on making money. <laughs> the uh, of course the paradox is the the more the focus is on them, the more money you'll earn. Which is why we say that money is simply an echo of value. It's the thunder, if you will, to values lightning. Which means your focus must be absolutely intently laser focused on them, on bringing value to them. Uh, the money you receive is simply a very natural and direct result of the value you provide. 
So it, it opens up into five very basic laws that all work together. The laws are value, compensation, influence, authenticity, and receptivity. And, you know, we can go through those uh, if you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. And I think maybe influence is where I'd like to start. Sure. Uh, the law of influence says that your influence is determined by how abundantly you place other people's interests first. Now, you know, this sounds a little counterintuitive when you first hear it, right? Uh, almost counterproductive or, or even Pollyanna-ish. And yet, you think about it, the greatest leaders, the top influencers, the most successful uh, entrepreneurs, salespeople, this is simply how they run their lives and conduct their businesses. They're always looking for ways to bring value to, to others. Now, I want to uh, clarify and qualify this, Chris, if I may. And that is to say that, you know, when we, when we say place the other person's interests first, we, we don't mean that you should be anyone's doormat or a martyr or self-sacrificial in any way. Absolutely not at all. It's simply understanding that as several of the mentors in the story told Joe, the protege, that the golden rule of business, of, of uh, relationships, of sales, is simply that all things being equal, all things being equal, people will do business with and refer business to those people they know, like, and trust. And there's simply no no faster, more powerful, more effective way to elicit these feelings toward you from others um, than by mo moving from what we call an I focus or me focus to an other focus. Um, looking for ways to, as Sam, one of the mentors in the story, told Joe, uh, it's looking for ways to make your win about the other person's win. And the person who can do this and do this constantly and consistently uh, develops a reputation not only with their members, but with those people who their members will refer because they know where, again, it goes back to focus. They know where your focus is. Okay. One of the most common challenges that I see in a lot of CrossFit gyms who are owned by first-time entrepreneurs, almost sure. 100%. Sure is uh, this this real willingness to give value and just give, mm -hmm. give, give, but then a real hesitancy to charge what they're worth for this value or just to keep doing more and more work but not increasing the revenue that they're making. Right. What kind of advice would you give to them, Bob? Well, there's, there's two levels to this. First, it's understanding the giving part. It's understanding that the value you're giving is is twofold. It's intrinsic and it's extrinsic. And, and let me just explain quickly what I mean. The intrinsic value is simply, you know, the good that it's going to do your customer uh, by by being a member. Okay, the workouts are going to make them feel better about themselves. They're going to be in better shape. They're going to have more energy. They're going to look better. They're going to have more confidence. All those things are fantastic. And that's the that's just the intrinsic value. By the nature of the thing, that's fine. But what you're really doing is even more so. You're, you're constantly and consistently adding additional or what I call extrinsic value to the relationship and 
to the experience. For example, you know, there are many ways to communicate value, okay, over and above the the, the regular product or service. They tend to come down to five what we call elements of value, and they are uh, excellence, consistency, attention, empathy, and appreciation. And to the degree that we can communicate one or more, hopefully all five of those in every interaction, in every touch point with our customers, that's the degree that, first of all, price is totally taken off the table, that they're no longer concerned about price because they absolutely just place so much value on the experience. Uh, let, uh, let me put it this way. There's a it's important for any entrepreneur to understand the difference between price and value. Price is a it's a dollar amount. It's a, a dollar figure. It's finite. It is what it is. Value, on the other hand, Chris, is the relative worth or desirability of a thing, of something to the end user or beholder. In other words, what is it uh, about this thing, this product, service, concept, idea, in this case membership, that brings so much worth to someone or value that they will exchange their money for it uh, as well as time and commitment and everything else, but in this case their money, um, and be just – ecstatic that they did while you make a healthy profit. So to the degree that not only are you giving them the the intrinsic value of the workout and the benefits of that, but you are uh, – you, you're excellent. You know your stuff. Okay, you're on top of things. You know these exercises. You know these drills. You know, uh, okay, to the degree that you're consistent, you show up the same way every day. No exceptions. No excuses. They know what they, you know, what they're getting from you. Uh, that you're able to give attention to each and every individual in their own way, based on what they need. That these people feel. As though not that just that they're customers, but that they're individuals you care about. When you can, uh, when you can communicate empathy, simply understanding that hey, you know, this person may be uh, anxious about this. This person uh, may have had some some reasons why they have not had not been working out, and they come to you kind of feeling a little bit like, wow, am I going to be behind everyone else? You know, you know you, the feelings other people have that when you can. That when you can empathize with them, when you can communicate, you understand that they have these feelings, they feel a lot better about you. And then the appreciation, just the gratitude that you have for them being in their life, when you when you bring that that attitude of gratitude, which is a, sounds like a trite saying, but it's so important <laughs> because when you're someone who lives in gratitude, people are much more attracted to you. And they want to do business with you. They are willing to refer you to others. They want so when you bring that to the table, the relative worth or desirability of your service absolutely goes through the roof. Now, when this happens, not only are you going to be be bringing more people in as members, they're going to be you're going to increase their member. They're going to continue with you and. They are going to refer you to others, especially if you understand how to. Uh, uh, obtain referrals and you know and I know you're you're a coach to so many of them and you do such a fantastic job with all of that so that's that's there but it's understanding why this value is so important now the receiving part and this is the key because law number five the law of receptivity says the key to effective giving is to stay open 
to receiving. Um, in other words, all the giving of value in the world is, you know, it's great, but it's all for naught if you're not willing to allow yourself to receive in like measure. And, you know, often we see people in the health and wellness field who have an issue with this. Uh, for whatever reason it is, the you know, the world gives us these negative messages about money and about uh, prosperity and about confidence and about the way we should feel about things. And there's almost, well, uh, th th there's that treacherous dichotomy. You can either do good in the world or you can make money. That is absolute <laughs> baloney. <laughs> That's malarkey. If you are providing a product or a service that helps another human being, and you should be enjoying it, first of all. And you are doing good. And as a result, remember, uh, to the degree that you add value to others, money is simply an echo of value. Money is what's going to come to you as a result of providing that great value. But you've got to be able to accept that and not buy in to what the world says about money. Uh, but it's understanding that no, you, that it, it, the question isn't, you know, am I a giver or a receiver? It's I'm a giver and a receiver. The key is simply the focus. Um, you focus on the giving of value. You focus on the giving, and then you allow the receiving. That's a great first step. I, I think just being open to receiving payment for your service is a huge, huge part of the the mindset required in the service industry. Uh, the next step might be just you know asking for compensation for what your service is worth. Sure. Well, you've got to be able to do that, and you've got to be comfortable with that so you know when you're asked what you charge you know i don't care if you have to practice saying this 200 times in front of your dog or cat or, or partner or whomever <laughs> um you need to be able to say those numbers and feel very comfortable with it because remember if it doesn't bother you it won't bother them if it does bother you it will bother them but you know the, the but here i think is an important thing chris is that when you're talking to a prospective member who comes in the key. See, let's let's understand what selling is. And, I, and I, of course, I know you know this. You're an expert at this, and you teach so many other people how to do it so well. But I think a lot of times, and, and this is really important because it's always so important to 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 come from the same premise and to really understand the premise. When we talk about selling, whether it's selling memberships or anything else, again, the world gives us, and we see this in television shows and in movies and in books and all these other places. The world gives us a backwards idea of what selling is. So often people think selling is about trying to convince someone to uh, buy something that they don't want or need, right? right? And that is not selling. Actually, that's called being a con artist because <laughs> if someone doesn't want or need something, you shouldn't be selling it, okay? So no, that's not what selling is. People think a lot of you know, selling is about – taking advantage of others absolutely not it's just the opposite about it's about giving people more advantage through your services probably the biggest upside down misperception about selling is that it's about taking and it's not selling is all about giving the old english root of the word sell was salan uh which literally meant to give, uh, to to give. Okay, so to sell is to give. Now, is that is that semantics at work? I don't think so. No. 
because when you have a prospective customer in front of you and you are in the selling process, what exactly are you giving them? I suggest you're giving them time, attention, counsel, education, empathy, and most of all, value. But here's the most important thing. It's so important to understand that selling by definition, and I hope everyone listening to this writes it down so that before you go into the selling process, you can look at this and you can feel good about what you're doing. And that's this, the definition of selling is simply discovering what the other person needs, wants, or desires and helping them to get it. And when you approach selling this way, what you're going to do is rather than blah, blah, blah about everything about this, you know, your gym and what you can do and how this is the most amazing kind of thing and this cross, CrossFit is a No, what you do is you ask questions about what they are looking to accomplish. What will this mean to them to have, you know, more energy, to look better, to feel better? How will they have, you know, you, you ask questions so that they can tell you exactly what they want, need, or desire. And then when you, you know, when you close the sale, and that's my closing, it's fine. It's a natural part of it. Typically, most people don't say, okay, sign me up. You know, every so often they will, but not usually. Usually, you need to ask the question, and it can be something very simple. Would you like to get started? Okay. And because remember, if you've done this correctly, and if you've gone out of your way to discover their needs, wants, and desires, what they're looking to accomplish, not about you, it's about them, then all you're doing is asking them to do something that they've already told you they want to do. So Bob, you said that this fits really well with human nature. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Sure. Well, you know, one of my all-time favorite books, and probably yours and probably many people listening to this, is uh, Dale Carnegie's classic, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Absolutely. All right. Written in 1937. It's just as as valuable today uh, as it probably will be, you know, 200 years from now and after that. And Carnegie, well, he said many wonderful things, but, but what I believe was the underlying premise in his book and I remember once talking to a uh, Carnegie instructor out in Southern California, and I, I asked him this question, and he, he agreed that it, that it was pretty much everything the book was about in this one sentence. It's where Carnegie said, ultimately, people do things for their reasons, not our reasons. And I think this is so key to understand. This is tapping into human nature. This is understanding why people do the things they do. They do it because they believe that they are better off by doing so than by not doing so. As one of my old mentors, uh, Harry Brown, just a brilliant, brilliant man, uh, used to say, everyone, you know, there are three basic principles in life. If you want to understand human nature and how individuals work, you need to only know these three things. Number one, Everyone seeks happiness. Now, as Harry says, everyone's an individual, so it's hard to say everyone or no one, and I, I agree with him, except for in this one one case. Other than this one thing, all of us as human beings are different, but everyone seeks happiness, which can be defined as the mental feeling of well-being. Everyone seeks happiness. However, number two, we need to understand that happiness is relative 
In other words, people understand happiness differently. As a result, people place different values on different things. And number three, resources are limited. Now, this should not be uh, misconstrued as as saying that we, uh, as being about lack. Not at all. When we say resources are limited, we we only mean that no matter who anyone is, they have a limited amount of you know time. We all have the same you know amount of. Uh, minutes in an hour, hours in a day, and days in a week, weeks in a month. You, you know, uh, we all have a limited amount of time, of money, of uh, of knowledge, of wisdom. Now we can we can trade some of it for other aspects. Okay, uh, you can probably learn ten different languages fluently if you want, but you're going to have to give up a whole lot of other stuff in order to find the time and energy to do that. So if you take all three of these things, it's understanding that people will will make a decision, in this case, to become a member, right? People will make this decision based on seeking happiness. Is it more likely or less likely to make them happy by joining your gym based on how they understand happiness, right? Based on what they value and based on the choices they have. Um, you know, whether it's time, money, energy, uh, you know, your competitors or anything else. So this totally works. The go-giver methodology, if you will, totally works within human nature. It's understanding that people are going to make decisions based on their own well-being, which is totally fine. That's the only reason they should. And to the degree we can serve that well-being, that's the degree we're going to succeed. So, Bob, you know, all of your books are about uh, giving and giving and giving. What happens when we're presented with an opportunity that maybe we don't want or maybe even a client that wouldn't be a great fit for the gym? Uh, well, I mean, depending on the situation, there's, a, there's certainly a proper time to say no. In fact, I, you know, I believe you've got to say no, not to gym members necessarily, but to most things. You've got to say no more than you say yes, uh, especially the more successful you get. And people who operate from the perspective of a, a go-giver tend to be very successful, very financially successful, as well as the other areas of life that are important. And because of this success, you're going to have a lot of people wanting a lot of things from you. Uh, and you've got to be able to tell people no. But the way a go-giver says no is is that they always make this person feel good about themselves as they're as they're saying it. Uh, you know, you, you might be asked to, to serve on a committee that you just don't want to serve on. And the the response, the proper response, is going to be to not do it. Okay. Um, and and I've heard people say, well. You know, then just tell people no. No is a complete sentence, and uh, you know that sounds good in theory, but uh, but saying no rudely to someone, I don't think is very productive. It's it's gonna it's going to offend that person. Uh, you'll turn a potential for a friend into a, an enemy, uh, or a friend into an enemy. You'll 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 um, remove any chances of of doing anything with that person again, which you might want to, and they're certainly not going to be an ambassador for your for your gym. Uh, but also the reason, the, the main reason why you wouldn't say no rudely like that is because it's it's contrary to your value system uh, of, uh, of treating people with respect. So I don't think saying no that way is, is very good. Uh, I also hear people advise that, you know, you should say no by, you know, with a little white lie, like, well, I really don't have the time. The challenge with that is 
that you kind of know you're fibbing to yourself because it isn't that you don't have the time. It's that you don't have the desire to do it. Uh, you, in fact, you, you desire not doing it more than you desire doing it. It all goes back to seeking happiness. Uh, and so, and when you, when you, so lying never really feels good to ourselves. It's incongruent with our values, but also that person has heard this before. And so they're going to be able to overcome that objection. And when they do, you're now either going to have to, uh, uh, admit to them that you were fibbing because <laughs> you really don't want to do it, which they'll lose respect for you and, and you won't feel good about it. Or in order to save face, you're going to have to take the gig and do the thing you don't want to do. And I'm not a big believer in being a martyr. And so there's an easier way. There's a better way to say no that's much, much more effective and is much more congruent with our values. And that is when someone asks you, again, let's go back to the committee, right? They, they ask you to serve in this committee you don't want to serve on. You simply say, oh, thank you so so much for asking. Uh, while it's not something I'd like to do, please know how honored I am to be thought of or how honored I am to be asked. And so what you've done is in a very nice, kind way, you've let the, you've said thank you. You've let this person know you appreciate the offer, that you're honored by it, but you haven't made an excuse. You've just let them know that it's not something that you choose to do or would, would like to do. Now, if it comes to a potential member, uh, you know, you've got to be able to explain to the person in a way that, you know, hopefully doesn't hurt that person's feelings, why you don't feel that they're a good match for the gym, whether it's, you know, culture, whether it's the workout itself, whether it's, you know, for for whatever reason you believe it, it would be. And then you suggest that they, uh, you know, that while working out and having a, a workout regimen is a good idea that they might need to explore, uh, they might want to explore other options. That's great, Bob. And, you know, with that notion of always giving, um, I'm sure that you're asked for advice quite often and probably people are seeking uh, mentorship maybe from you. For people who are seeking a mentor, though, what advice would you give them? Like what should they look for that's going to get them where they want to go? Well, generally, it's someone who's who has either accomplished already what you want to accomplish or just someone who has been successful in life, successful in business. Uh, the other aspect of this, though, it's important that there's a congruency between their values and your values. So if this is a person who is a, you know, dog eat dog, uh, you know, try to kill the, you know, the other guy, you know, that, that may not be your way of doing things. And so, uh, and I hope it's not. And so that's, that's someone who would not. Uh, if they're a person who is more, you know, is all about creating value and about how to, then to me that, you know, that you might find that much more congruent. So it, it needs to be someone who's, you know, who, who you feel good about following and, uh, and learning from, but certainly seeking out a mentor is, is very important, very valuable because you cut your learning curve, uh, immeasurably. Absolutely. So, Bob, I want to thank you on behalf of uh, people in the fitness industry for giving us your time this morning. I know the greatest benefit that I get from your books is feeling like it's okay to not want to feel like a salesperson. <laughs> well, you know, I guess it, it it depends how you define sales, right? Yeah. But, it, but I, I know what you mean. You don't want to feel like someone who you know comes across as desperate and pushy and and, and yeah. so forth. And and that's one reason, Chris, why I really want people to look at sales and to see sales as being the benevolent thing it is when it's about the other person. And I, you know, I love what you're doing, and I, I so appreciate everything you are, all the value you're adding to so many of us. Well, thank you, Bob. 
I took the summer of 2015 mostly off from the gym. I stayed home to write. Every morning I'd get up at 4 a.m. and I'd start working on Two Brain Business 2.0, which is the book that I thought Two Brain Business should have been. I also wrote Help First in that same time. Two books within 70 days. I'd wake up in the morning and I'd write for three hours and then I'd eat breakfast and come out to my garage and lift weights. And I'd listen to other people's books. I listened to Resilience, a lot of Jim Rohn stuff, and I found The Go-Giver. The Go-Giver ruined my workouts because I would be lifting and I'd hear something so profound that I would have to stop, put the bar down, and replay what Bob Berg had just said on the book. Help First was written to share a mindset. The mindset that will make you successful at marketing without selling. The mindset that makes it okay to approach people and ask them how your service can help theirs and be rewarded in return. The Go-Giver was not written about the fitness industry, but you can be forgiven for thinking it was. If you listen to this interview, all the stuff Berg is saying is immediately relevant to CrossFit gyms. We undervalue ourselves. We don't like asking people for money. We tend to think that our budget is the same as everybody else's budget. And we tend to focus on our service instead of what does the client actually want. If you've listened to this podcast before or read any of my four books, you'll know that I say this stuff all the time. It's time for you to hear it from someone else. And the someone that I recommend most is Bob Berg. The Go-Giver launched the Two Brain Business Book Club. If you go on twobrainbusiness.com forward slash books, the Go-Giver series will be among the first books you see because they're the ones that I recommend most. They're required reading for people in the Two Brain Mentoring Group. There are a lot of marketing and sales strategies and tactics out there. But if you don't have the right mindset, if you don't understand where success comes from and the value that you create for other people, you won't do any of them. You won't be successful. Mindset comes before skill set. But there is a way to sell more, realize your true potential, earn what you're actually worth, and still feel good about it. The go-giver outlines that way. Enjoy it.